took Barry Schwartz seriously. And normally we ask that you keep your phones on silent and put away. So, as an experiment that can fail dismally, (laughs) keep your phone on silent, but I ask that you take it out so that you can send texts during the sermon. The number to text is my cell number, 918-813-1223. It's up on the screen, 918-813-1223. Not up there. Well, Poobah, <laughs> failure number one. Let me repeat that. 918-813-1223. And there's another value besides just today's sermon. Put that number in your phone. You can now call me more easily if there are emergencies, pastoral emergencies, or simply during the work week with questions and comments. And I trust you won't abuse the direct access because you sure have not up to this point. You have been lovely. So back to the experiment. I want you to be able to text me any short wisdom sayings that you cherish. I'll read out the texts from time to time. And I know some of you don't have smartphones. And I want you to participate in some way. We want to be hospitable to all. So I have a microphone that Andy's kindly going to set up for me that will allow you to come forward and speak. We were hoping to have it on a stand, but we need a new stand for it. But, um, so you can come speak from time to time and tell us some short, pithy word of wisdom. Because wisdom is meant to be shared. So to begin, I'd like to take an informal survey. How many of you are carrying right now a slip of paper in your wallet or purse from a fortune cookie? Ha ha. I would love to hear what you find meaningful in them, what they say. So a text, you can share it with a text or come talk in the microphone. I went to lunch Thursday uh, at our monthly Unitarian Universalist gathering of ministers, and I got one. And mine says, compromise is like origami, the art of folding beautifully. I kept it because it is elegant. It brings a vivid image to mind, reminding me compromise is essential to all my relationships, especially my family and here at the church. So I've heard my little buzz. um, (laughs) And we also have, inspired by comics, funny people here. I have no words of wisdom. I'm just texting you because I want to, and I can. (laughs) I think we call that wise guy, but I'm not sure. (laughs) And one that says, good judgment comes from experience. Experience comes from 
bad judgment. (laughs) And here's one that says, kindness is my true religion. And there's an old saying, a fool never changes. A wise man changes often. Not just live and let live, but live and help live. And then, of course, the one that's universal. Whatever. (laughs) One takeaway from my years in 12-step meetings are many of their powerful sayings. They are easy to remember, useful, and have stuck with me. For example, resentment is poison I drink to kill the other person. Or take what you need and leave the rest. They even have a helpful atheist definition of God. Good, orderly direction. Good, orderly direction. See if I got any more. Nope. But the internet is now a rich repository of collected quotes and brief adages. Besides Facebook and simply Googling quotes, Pinterest is a global online bulletin board you can share with others. So a Pinterest page has photographs, it has quotes, it has recipes, it has ideas, and they're all links to somewhere else on the internet. And so you can collect things that you like and save them and share them with others. So right up here, that's what we have. This page is a Pinterest page. If you are new to this church or to our religious tradition, you can search Unitarian Universalist, or even UU to come up with a Pinterest page. And so there you will learn some of our very basic key ideas and concerns. This chalice up here that you may be able to see is made of words that display our seven principles as written for children. And you can also see a a bamboo necklace an artist sells that's lasered with the seven principles. We may be tempted to disparage as intellectually or spiritually lightweight all the quotes and sayings that we can find on plaques in hospital, gift shops, on magnets, bookmarks, bumper stickers, But I'd like to stake the territory that wisdom condensed in these abbreviated fashions is noble, useful, and has even a prehistoric lineage. Humans have used memorable, pithy statements to pass along practical and esoteric knowledge since the beginning of recorded time. Some of our greatest Americans relied on aphorisms to navigate life's complexities. Eat to live and not live to eat, wrote Benjamin Franklin in the 18th century Poor Richard's Almanac. Three may keep a secret if two of them are dead. (laughs) Yeah, that's Franklin. Humor is helpful in remembering. Wisdom that rhymes or can be sung is helpful. 
So the first reading today from Ecclesiastes is the third century BCE, before the Common Era, ancient Israel version of Pinterest, Facebook, or Poor Richard's Almanac. This book from the Hebrew Bible is written in the form of an autobiography by a teacher, a wise person, perhaps even King Solomon himself, to a gathering of learners. It's poetic, compact sayings depict a realistic worldview. Its wisdom is honest, cynical, encompassing, and it's an atheist point of view. In it, the world is an ambiguous, fleeting affair. You may be most familiar with these verses that the choir sung, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. Ecclesiastes is part of a collection of ancient writings considered wisdom literature. Ecclesiastes, the book of Job, wisdom of Solomon, Proverbs, and that very sexy song of songs share an attitude and intention. In them, wisdom is a skill not gained. Excuse me. Wisdom is a skill gained, not an intellectual quality. It's a very human process of understanding. All that wisdom literature shares a universal perspective on life, a humanistic view of problems, curiosity about the natural and everyday world, sunrises, sunsets, where does it go? And a thoughtful approach to solving problems. These texts are not concerned about God, about knowledge to be passed down to generations without the benefit of the supernatural. Their advice is pragmatic and practical. You might be interested to know that the Hebrew word Chokmo, which is the word for wisdom, is feminine. When translated into to Greek, Chokmo becomes Sophia. Wisdom is the divine mother, an observant, knowing, creative source for problem solving. I'm getting lots of texts. I'm going to stop here because they're good. You could be wrong, given to me by a wise person. When you are immune to the opinions and actions of others, you won't be the victim of needless suffering. Beauty is not love. Knowledge is not wisdom. Here are some earthy pieces of advice from the book of Proverbs. These come from chapter 26, which dwells on describing the qualities and destructive ways of a fool. Listen to these vivid, unforgettable images. Like somebody who takes a passing dog by the ears 
is one who meddles in the quarrels of another. Like a maniac who shoots deadly firebrands and arrows, so as one who deceives a neighbor and says, I'm only joking. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels that go down into the inner parts of the body. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are smooth lips with an evil heart. If we're ever looking to match our covenant that we say, the promise we make to each other, with advice from past texts, then Proverbs and the wisdom literature offer effective, concrete suggestions on how to set boundaries, to not gossip, to not be verbally abusive. In essence, the biblical wisdom texts point to how to respectfully live in community and live out our covenant with each other. Imagine applying these poignant, earthy sayings to our electronic communications. For instance, if you find an angry posting or get an angry email, consider how your response might be as foolish as taking a passing dog by the ears. I hate to admit how often I've grabbed onto that passing dog in the heat of the moment. Or consider how texts and postings of a whisperer are dangerous, delicious morsels seeping deeply into our souls and psyche. And the adages from the Bible didn't originate in ancient Israel. There are much earlier written examples from Egypt and Syria and Mesopotamia and Babylon, Sumeria. For any of us dealing with personal loss or struggling with the week's news, we can take comfort in 700 BCE Mesopotamian writings in the words of Akar is conserved the adage I have lifted sand and I have carried salt but there is not which is heavier than grief Our brief survey of wisdom is lacking if we ignored other parts of the world, other cultures, other ages. Wisdom and proverbial sayings are universal. Some may be transferred between cultures and ages, and at the same time, we have to realize humans come up, like those monkeys, with the same rather obvious truths quite spontaneously over and over again. As the sage in Ecclesiastes reminds us, there is nothing new under the sun. For an example of how these parallel notions of wisdom get transmitted within different religious traditions, 
I have some thoughts from the Chinese Taoist text that says, the wise person teaches without speaking. The Buddha taught something similar. Even though a fool gains the company of a wise man, he does not comprehend truth any more than a spoon tastes the flavor of the soup. Lord Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita says, the wise person should not disturb those of little understanding who are deluded by the phenomena of the material world. And as a teacher, Jesus preferred allegory and parables. He expresses the same limits of wisdom teaching by saying, do not offer to dogs what is sacred, or they will tear you to shreds. Do not throw your pearls before the swine, for they will only trample them underfoot. So far, I've managed to kind of sidestep formally defining wisdom, allowing the examples to speak for themselves. But from them, we can gather up some common traits. Wisdom arises from human experience. I drove past a church sign on Harvard this week that said, wisdom comes from wounds that have healed. In the TED Talk we saw earlier, Barry Schwartz reminds us, wisdom is made, not born. What must be born and nurtured is the development of kindness and empathy, often arising from pain. Hence, wisdom is not the same as intellectual knowledge. Wisdom is the process of observing, taking risks, making mistakes, and mindfully recovering from those mistakes. In my experience, that sometimes takes quite a while. Wisdom is not the product of age. I find because the young observe the world from a very different vantage point than mine, they often have great wisdom that we should heed. In meetings around the church, we often discuss the need to attract younger members. And the discussion is often because we want to regenerate ourselves and to grow. And instead, I say we need people of all ages, race, and background because they add depth and insight to our collective wisdom. They bring a wisdom that we cannot even fathom. I encourage each of you to serve as a greeter this year as you watch a new family or person walk up our walk, view them as a source of wisdom that's about to walk through our front door. And thank you to any newcomers who are here today because you bring perspectives and experiences that can transform all of us. Wisdom does that. It, it alters our perceptions of ourselves and the world. Wisdom is a way of reframing a situation. It is knowing when to act and when to be still, when to speak and when to be silent. 
Schwartz likens these moral skills to a jazz musician, a trained artist who knows the rules of harmony and rhythm in order to make exceptions to every rule. As the musician bends the rules to create original and unexpected beauty, a wise person uses their moral skills in the service of right aims. So wisdom supports navigating those contradictions and complexities with compassion as the moral compass. I have ached watching events unfold in Ferguson. Practical wisdom has been sorely lacking on all sides of the situation. The combination of moral will and moral skill were lacking before two weeks ago in the historical evolution of the racially and economically segregated suburbs, of the shallow relationships of its citizens, of the undetected racial tensions, and of the rigid policing schemes. Habits of fear and violence interrupt the ability to apply wisdom, the possibilities for improvising, making exceptions to rules, knowing when to act and when to be still were missing during the brief seconds that led Officer Darren Wilson to shoot Michael Brown. Wisdom wasn't around when the trained white armed authority encountered an unarmed black teenager. Nor was wisdom around in many of the responses following the shooting, the heavy-handed, militarized response to the protests, the violent looting, the hateful talk and postings. All the players, white, black, police, citizen, participant, bystander, missed so many opportunities to use their moral skills in the service of right aims. So when I see the photographs and read the news reports, I try to look for any examples of wisdom, and I find them. They're there. When Captain Ron Johnson, African-American officer of the Missouri Highway Patrol, joins the protesters and walks alongside, he is serving as the jazz musician, bending the rules, interpreting, interrupting expectations, and injecting a new note that changed everything, new harmonies and possibilities were born. When a stadium full of college students at historically black Howard University in Washington, D.C., take a photograph with their hands in the air, the image goes viral. They are a whole jazz ensemble. Hands up, don't shoot. They are saying from afar, in solidarity with Michael Brown, and all the young black men who are misjudged prematurely and violently. 
These black college youth have played a new note into the discordant melody of Ferguson. So wisdom comes from unex- in unexpected forms and from unexpected places. We have to be on the lookout for it. The ancient shorthand verbal adages of Ecclesiastes are today more often images and videos. Have you seen how the young black actor Orlando Jones, he's in something, I've forgotten even what show he's on, Fox, he's on Fox. He creatively transformed the outpouring of support for the neo-degenerative disease ALS and directed it to Race and Ferguson. I assume most of you have heard about the ALS ice bucket challenge. Pour a bucket of ice over your water, contribute $100. And it's been a huge social media hit. There are videos of celebrities and sports fans and even former presidents pouring cold water over their heads to help raise awareness. And the ALS Association reports that contributions, there have been a rise in more than $15 million in contributions. So what Orlando Jones does to bring attention to violence in the United States and around the world, and by the way, Jones happens to be an NRA member, he makes a copy of that video, of that meme that's going around, and he takes a bucket and says what everyone else says, I want to bring awareness to, and then he pours over his head empty shell casings to represent all the lives that have been lost to violence. He says watching Ferguson is like watching a war zone that mimics what's happening all around the world. And he views it as an us versus them mentality that he's trying to interrupt. And he says in the video, this is interesting to me, he says he's not pointing fingers, but challenging himself to listen without prejudice, to love without limits, and to live without hate. His video is a jolting jazz improvisation, and it's on its way to going viral. A group of leaders met in Tulsa Friday, wondering if we could facilitate and support the spread of wisdom from Ferguson. Our city's race relations are as fragile and segregated. What happened in Ferguson could have happened or still can happen here. And we had no simple answers and no easy go-to response. We were wise not to rush into some vigil or quick memorial service. We chose not to take a passing dog by the ears. Instead, we wondered how could we encourage stronger relationships among neighbors among racial groups, between police and citizens, between those with authority and those lacking power. 
And during that meeting, I thought, our church has a radical piece of wisdom that echoes Orlando Jones's challenge, that we could bring to bear to that meeting and to our community at large and to Ferguson. And it comes from the 16th century Hungarian religious Unitarian bishop, Francis David, who said, we need not think alike to love alike. So looking at all the complex factors that created the powder keg in Ferguson, through that simple lens of compassion, we need not think alike to love alike. can wisely guide all actions we and others take from this point forward. It's a cry to love, not to hate. It's a call for appreciating and accepting differences. We need not think alike to love alike, fuels imaginative compassionate responses to our differences, to oppressive systems, to racial terror and anger, and to the universal human desire for trust and safety. May it be so.